Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where we continue to provide you the latest up-to-the-date information for your wallet as it's being affected so much by coronavirus. And I want to tell you our folks at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com also working night and day to give you information so you can stretch every dollar right now. Coming up later, I'm going to fill you in on the latest rescue for the economy announced by the Federal Reserve, bigger than the three prior packages passed by Congress. Federal Reserve is going in big time to make sure the economy doesn't go into the deep freeze. And I want to tell you the the thing that probably led to such a dramatic action today by the Federal Reserve, which I'll describe the elements of later, is the unemployment numbers that are a trailing indicator now at 17%. I'm sorry, 17 million people. Forget percent. 17 million people in three weeks have filed for unemployment. The number is going higher. We're going into levels that are roughly equivalent to the Great Depression in the 1930s. That has terrified economists and bankers at the Federal Reserve. And the reason is the worry is so great that the economy, if it goes straight down, doesn't have an easy way out. Economists talk about V's, U's, and L's. And I want to explain to you why it's so important that assistance get in people's hands as quickly as possible. So a V is when an economy falls off a cliff like we have, and then as soon as the cloud clears, comes right back to life where it was. Well, I'm going to talk tomorrow about what has to happen on the medical side and procedurally for us to have a better recovery, but we're not going to have a V. If we do things right, we'll have what economists call a U. A U is when the economy declines quickly and then kind of levels off like the bottom of a roller coaster, doesn't start climbing to the top of the roller coaster again just as quickly like a V would but you know how you go down a roller coaster from the top part and then it'll come back up and it'll be a little ridge then it'll go down another little ridge that's what would be the best outcome from where we are right now and tomorrow I'm going to talk about how we get there and then an L is where you fall off a cliff and then you stay with the economy and the toilet for a long time. The Federal Reserve's moves today that I'll talk about later are specifically about eliminating the likelihood of an L, which would be a fourth Great Depression for the United States. The two in the 1800s, the one in the 1900s, and then we don't want one in the, in the 2020s, okay? So let's deal with things that are here and now and practical for you. As we've dealt day by day with the issues involved with getting unemployment compensation to people, things are starting to look better on the unemployment front in terms of paying unemployment compensation. 
the feds have gotten the information of the states in order to pay the $600 and the funding is now becoming available to the states to pay the $600 federal supplement that will go through July for unemployment. And so people should, depending on your state unemployment office, should start showing up that $600 next week in states that write the code quickly enough and get that money to people. And in other states, I don't know if it's going to be another week after that or two, because I can't control how well or how poorly states distribute that money. But the 600 is just about on the verge of showing up in people's accounts. And that's the money that overlays what you're eligible for normally under state unemployment. Then the second thing that has generated so many questions to Clark.com slash ask is the compensation for self-employed and independent contractors and gig workers. That is still trouble prone pretty much across the 50 states. And I can't sugarcoat that, that the people who work as ICs, self-employed and independent contractors, have ended up in the back of the queue across pretty much the 50 states. And that money is coming, and it will come retroactively, but it's going to be a very painful delay on that money. And that each of these things are becoming clearer as we go through this week. Now, the PPP, more money is going to be available for the PPP in uh, one direction or another. The money's coming. And I wanted to direct you to what I think is the best guide that our team has found for you to know the nuances of the PPP program, the payroll protection program, how to apply, what's involved, what you got to provide to get the money as quickly as possible. And it's by one of the fintechs, cabbage.com, K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. Look at their guide that is available. You'll see a link when you get to the page. If you don't, if somehow you miss it, go to resources and you'll find their guide to what's involved in applying for the PPP. And uh, I want you to know that this process that has been so frustrating since last Friday will improve over time. It's just been an absolute um, mess out of the gate. And part of it has been the fault of the banks and part of it has been the fault of the federal government. But the key thing is that over the next 10 days, the people applying for payroll protection program loans should start to see them fund. Not like originally promised that it would happen like magic almost immediately, but those loans are going to start funding. And I think by the week of the, um, well, I would say by about the 20th of April, we're going to see things get a little more clear and the process working better 
on the PPP loans. Uh, I want you to keep posting questions for me at clark.com slash ask. It helps Kim, Joel, and I know what content you're most seeking from us. And we are asking your questions for you, alternating between Kim and Joel. And Kim, who's up first today? Up first today is Rachel. She says, I'm an emergency room RN who was forced to use her own PTO for a mandatory quarantine. I took care of multiple COVID patients and to ensure that I was not sick, nor did I make anyone else sick, I was sent home and forced to use my own PTO for two weeks. Now, back at work, the hospital is also cutting shifts to all employees due to low patient volume, and they are forcing us to use our own PTO or not get full-time hours. However, if an employee does not have the PTO hours, the company is awarding the hours to them. How is this right? There's a lot of things that people are making decisions on the fly that, uh, in hindsight, or even in current vision, are not fair or clear. And if you are really fired up about this and you're not worried about blowback, go send a message to the CEO of the hospital or the administrator of the hospital and don't make it a gripe session, but point out what are the inconsistencies in the policy. If, on the other hand, at a time that the hospitals under great financial strain and you're worried about the culture there making waves you might have to just suck it up and deal with the unfairness of how they're handling paid time off Um, and Kim one of the things we've not addressed is that hospitals are suffering massive revenue declines because they are not doing normal routine uh, non-emergency procedures surgeries uh, testing and all the rest so the revenue that hospitals normally live on is not there and hospitals with the strain of potentially seeing it's at some hospitals too many coronavirus patients others have a reasonable patient load but the overall utilization of hospitals right now is extremely low causing severe problems for the hospital systems around the country joel clark jim wrote in he says i'm a self-employed contractor and i haven't seen anything with regards to first quarterly payments they're normally due on april 15th has this date been deferred yes it has till july 15th and so if you go to the irs.gov website and you click on frequently asked questions they have been updating this for various topics involved with tax filings and tax payments that are due to the irs with things published about what the special rules are right now because of coronavirus so this is one of the things es you know estimated tax payments are delayed till july 15th and that is one less thing that people who owe es need to worry about but if you have a variety of tax situations the best briefing that the irs has is this faq section they're doing for coronavirus relief kim 
Lisa says, great podcast about PPP with Ashley Bell from the SBA. But what I didn't hear was guidance about the next steps if your bank or lender is no longer accepting applications. We have all of our business slash personal accounts with Big Bank A, but they won't accept our PPP app. Big Bank B, where we have all of our business issued credit cards, require a bank account open prior to February 2020, which we don't have. Any suggestions about where to submit our PPP application? I've also reached out to our insurance carrier to see if their bank is going to be an approved lender. So this is such a frustration for small businesses. And I think it's going to take an action by the federal regulators to force banks to cooperate on issuing these loans. What we've got going on here is small community-based banks and credit unions want to make these loans and are trying to, but the staffing required is tough for them. And they're doing as many as they can. The giant monster mega banks that we saved who suffered no consequences for their criminal acts that led to the banking scandals and Great Recession in 7, 8, and 9, they're like, huh, this isn't something we want to do. I mean, we just don't really care about this, and we're going to do as little of it as we can. They're going to have to be compelled to cooperate and participate. In addition, the SBA seems to be... um, broken on one aspect right now, and that is one of the parts of this program is supposed to be an expedited procedure for banks and credit unions and fintechs, like the people I mentioned earlier, Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com, to bring them into the ability to make SBA loans for these coronavirus activities, like the PPP loans and others that are specifically geared to get money to businesses as quickly as possible so that the number of sheer number of people you can go borrow from would be greater what i'm recommending is look for um, lenders that are non-traditional like fintechs as soon as they get approved by the sba they actually want to make these loans and the difference between them and the giant monster megas is, oh, they don't want to be bothered. And they just wish they could go to their country club and play golf. So you got to go somewhere where you're actually wanted and you're learning through this process that the big banks don't care about you at all. Post questions for me at clark.com slash ask and then producer Joel's going to ask one that you posted right now. Clark, Chris wrote in, he says, you talked about the savings uh, that auto insurance companies, they're saving a lot of money right now during this crisis, and they're providing some refunds to their customers. But what about health insurance companies that are also having fewer claims right now? Shouldn't they be giving refunds too? That is a great question. So the unknown for health insurers is this year actually going to be brutal for them financially. A lot of people who are losing their jobs right now are also losing their employer provided health insurance and so premium dollars some people are being furloughed where the health insurance stays in place others are being laid off losing your paycheck and your health insurance so it's unclear yet whether insurers having less procedures they're paying for that are elective or non-emergency are going to see 
more money coming in or less because of the number of people who are losing their health insurance right now and then in turn those those premium dollars. We also don't know what the total costs are going to be for health insurers for treating people with coronavirus where many of the major insurers are requiring no out-of-pocket, no deductibles, no co-pays on that. So it's too early to be in a position to say, hey, health insurers, give us some money back and give it to us now. We got to see what happens. You know, under the Obamacare rules, if their profits are too great, they have to give back some of that money later. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. And we're all about helping you stretch every dollar that you got right now as dollars have become more scarce. So we've had three stimulus laws go through Congress, and still a lot of the economy is facing real instability. So the Federal Reserve, in an unprecedented move beyond anything that has been done as far as I know ever by the Federal Reserve, has come up with a program bigger than all three laws that have been passed to this point by the Congress. Remember the last one that the Congress passed, the third coronavirus stimulus, the CARE thing, was $2 trillion, by far the largest of any such kind of thing there had ever been. Well, now the Federal Reserve is doing a new program that's larger than that, and they're looking to fill holes in the marketplace with the specific goal being that when we come out of hibernation and when people want to resume more normal activities because by the way i got to say something there's been so much talk about the shelter in place and the effects that's having on the economy shelter in place came in most states after most consumers had stopped spending money on so many different activities in the economy Sports shutting down, convention shutting down, travel shutting down, um, concerts, theater. There are so many movie theaters. There are so many segments of the economy that people just essentially went on buyer strike for very practical reasons. And so even when shelter-in-place lifts, I'm going to talk more about this as I mentioned earlier tomorrow, when that lifts, there are segments of the economy that are still going to have a hard time coming back to life quickly. So the Federal Reserve has come up with several new initiatives specifically designed so that when segments of the economy do come back, that the employers will still exist. And one of the things that they've done is come up with a new, very large program for mid-sized companies. You know, big companies already were being taken care of by various federal programs. Small companies, in theory, are being taken care of, or eventually will be, by the payroll protection plan and the idle. And speaking of which, the Federal Reserve is also backstopping that today with extra resources, while Congress has not been able to come up with that money yet. And so for mid-sized companies, the Federal Reserve 
is launching a special Main Street lending system to get money in the hands of mid-sized companies that account for a significant share of employment in the United States. So this particular lending is very important in order to get people back up and running when the economy is ready for them. This Main Street lending program is being funded with $600 billion, so quite a bit more than the small business program initially had, but very similar with the additional money the Federal Reserve is backstopping the small business loan program and the Main Street program for mid-sized businesses will end up with very similar size amount of money that will be there. So businesses that have received separate loans from the SBA, depending on the size of the business, will also be eligible for the Main Street loans. And so think about this. If a business fails, shuts down, disintegrates, because shuts down is different than disintegrating. If a business gets to the point of disintegrating, when the coast is clear and that business would have normally come back to life out of hibernation, there's no business there anymore. So both the lending to small businesses and the lending to mid-sized businesses specifically design so that the economy going into reverse, not based on economic conditions, but because of a pandemic, that these businesses can come back. Now, banks know nothing about the new Main Street lending program, and they'll have to get the information from the feds how that program will be implemented. But that is one of the big efforts that the Federal Reserve is making in absence of action by Congress to try to save the mid-market of the economy. One other thing the Federal Reserve did is they are putting $5 billion, half a trillion, into making sure that states and counties, large counties in the country and large cities, are able to meet their financial obligations. All around the country, tax revenues are collapsing for cities, counties, and states. And at a time that there's more demand on their services. So the Federal Reserve is making this half trillion available in order for government to be able to function because one of the things that's classic economics, anybody who, who didn't sleep through economics 100 or 200 or whatever that was called, where if you went to college, where you went to college, you know about counter-cyclical funding, that the idea is that when an economy goes into steep decline, to help arrest that decline and increase the speed of a recovery, you have to make sure that you have counter-cyclical funding, money that flows from the government, the federal government, and its entities as the last resort to keep things cooking. And that's what the Federal Reserve is working so hard at, learning from the mistakes of the past, 
so they don't make those same mistakes this time. And I forgot, is it Kim or Joel is up first here? I am up, and this is from Monica. She says, I heard you talk about RMDs. I have an inherited IRA from my sister who passed a couple of years ago. Will this also apply to the no RMD rule for this year? She goes on to say, thank you so much for keeping us informed. There's so much information and it is so overwhelming, but you and your team really explain things so that we can understand. And I am truly appreciative. Well, you were so kind to say that. And we are working really hard uh, in an ever uh, fast moving situation. And I have made a couple of mistakes in these weeks. I've said things that turned out later not to be true. And I want to make it clear to you that if I do make a mistake like that, that as soon as we have better information, I will correct it with you and explain that I made a mistake before. Because this is hard to get everything right. But we are trying, just like Clark.com, trying to make sure that the information available to you is right each time. And now, Monica, on to your question. So this is an obscure provision of the third coronavirus stimulus law that you are actually able for this year only to skip your RMD on an inherited IRA. And it was a provision that I didn't even know existed, but producer Joel found so you can thank Joel for finding that answer. Joel? Clark, while we're talking about RMDs, Kate wrote in and she said, when you were talking about RMDs and the changes made as a result of the stimulus package, you mentioned that if we'd already taken it out for 2020, that we were stuck. But our financial advisor informed us that we had 60 days from the day we received it to return it to our retirement account, which we did. So can you clarify that? So Kay, your financial advisor is right. It is, um, for lack of a better word, a loophole with the required minimum distribution that the idea is that if you'd already made it this year, but it's been less than 60 days since you made it, you can redeposit the money quickly, all of it, and then you are not subject to the RMD this year. And this is a one-year-only provision as well on the RMD for people who are in their 70s or beyond who are required to pull money out of retirement accounts each year. Kim? Jim says, if your employer instructs you not to wear a mask for your own protection on your job, is the employer in violation of any current laws? The employer is in violation of human decency. As far as any law, it would be up to a governor of a state at this point in absence of federal action, a governor would have to declare that that is a necessary safety requirement. There are retail stores that have promised their employees that safety equipment would be available, and there are so many reports that people report to work, and there's no safety gear available for them. An employer going a step further and saying, oh, you're making customers uncomfortable, you can't wear a mask. That is, in my books, inhumane and could cost somebody their lives. I don't know of no way to compel them to allow you to do so short of an action by your state's governor. So what I would do 
is I would contact, they're all at home now, contact your representative, your state, your state house representative, state senator in your state legislature and say the problem you're having and see if they can advocate on your behalf with your state governor to issue an order requiring that employees that are essential be allowed to wear safety gear. Joel? Clark Trey wrote in, he says, if and when I receive my PPP loan, how long do I have to rehire my employees for? The issue is we have no business right now, so there's nothing for them to do. And in addition, we are not an essential business, so I can't really have them come in anyway. Okay, so this is a great question that has really confused people. So if there's no work for people to do, the idea is that you pay them anyway. It's almost like giving people extended um, leave where they're paid for their time off PTO, but you pay them for the two months. So even though there is no actual work for them to do, the thinking behind this is that you retain your employees so when your business can resume, you were able to pay them, they're still there to come back to work for you, and it's at no cost to you if you do so. So the idea is the day your loan funds, that you bring your employees back on payroll, you bring them back on payroll for the 60 days, and then that payroll will be forgiven. The money that was a PPP loan becomes a grant. You have to document typically with uh, payroll documents, and we'll be getting that question in a couple of months, how you document. But you document, and then you essentially have been Santa Claus to these employees where they're getting paid again. You benefit because you retain, and you're not actually the one who produced the money. The federal government produced the money for you to keep people on the payroll. If you have a question for me, please go to clark.com slash ask to post. And Kim, who do you have a question from? This is from Sean. He says, after this current economic crisis is over, what market segments and or mutual funds will come back the strongest and fastest? It's very difficult to predict. People who are very, very risk oriented, who are very willing to take on risks, more speculative kind of people are looking at the segments of the economy that have been absolutely hit the worst. Uh, Things that are totally optional, like the cruise lines, that have seen the value of their companies fall to near zero, was still overhanging the possibility of bankruptcy and potential liquidation for cruise lines. Airlines are a very high-risk category. In fact, Warren Buffett, who really believes and the three full fare airlines plus Southwest has been selling stock in the airlines that he's held so many shares in, it again becomes an area of very, very high risk. Any leisure activity, anything that is an optional activity, those kind of categories are the ones for people who have more of a gambling instinct. Otherwise, it's hard to know which segments of the economy are going to spring back best. And that's why I go back to my normal thing, which is I'm all about the index funds, where I'm a believer in the free enterprise system, 
I'm a believer in the U.S. economy and others overseas. And so that's where I believe the long-term recovery with a reasonable level of risk resides is owning a total or broad market index fund where you own little pieces of all of American capitalism. You look at owning an international index fund, those kind of things where you're betting on future economic activity rather than a particular segment or sliver of the economy. But for people who like to be gamblers, don't put any money in high-risk parts of the economy that you would lose sleep over if you lost them in a bankruptcy. But if you got some money you want to throw that way, go for the hot spots where things look disastrous. Joel? Clark Ryan says, as a pharmacist, it looks like I'm included in the proposed HERO Act. Can you explain how this will work if it does end up passing? So the HEROES Act was proposed by a uh, congressman, Bill Hazinga. I don't know where he's from, but the HEROES Act specifically gives a four-month federal income tax vacation for people who are frontline people in fighting coronavirus, people who work in hospitals, people that are medical support staff, PAs, NPs, nurses, pharmacists like you, paramedics, EMTs, firefighters, police officers, prison staff, they're all included, and people who work in nursing homes and assisted living. The idea is these are people putting their lives on the line. It is a very interesting idea. I don't know that it's going to get traction throughout the Congress, and I know other people would say, well, what about the people who are working in the supermarkets? Should they be included? Or people who work in a pharmacy that are not a pharmacist, where there's so many people coming in who may in fact be ill. So who knows when a bill is introduced like the HEROES Act, you don't know how it moves and you don't know how it changes through the process. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. I want to talk about something that is not being talked about that much right now. And it's the stress that the fallout from coronavirus is piling on so many of us people feeling uh, anxiety, levels of depression, uh, just straight-out stress. It's hard for people who, in many cases, are suddenly unemployed, worrying about money. Other people who are working from home, their kids are home. It's a little too much for some people, family togetherness. And so there can be a bit of a spiral down. People eating out of um, stress, people not eating out of stress. There's one thing that can help, and it's clear as could be, and in the midst of what we're dealing with right now, I think it's extra timely to talk about how important exercise is. And two studies that came out that 
completely unrelated to coronavirus find in one case the enormous benefit to your life expectancy if you'll start exercising more, and I'll talk about the specifics of that in a second. The other, finding that if you'll exercise some every other day, that it has a massive positive benefit in dealing with depression, hostility, and other negative feelings we might be having. And this study that deals with your head was in a trade journal for industry called Health Psychology. The study was done by researchers principally at Columbia University Medical Center. There were some others involved partially in this. And they found an extreme correlation between you getting active at least every other day and what it does to your mental attitude. And if you think about it, as I said first, right now with how we're on, kind of on our back foot emotionally, that using your feet to be active can make a big difference. My oldest child has never been a big stationary bike person. And she and her husband got a stationary bike. It's making a big difference in her mental attitude. And she's getting more fit by doing so. The other study found that if you take 4,000 additional steps a day, 4,000 additional steps a day, this study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, that your risk of dying early from heart disease or cancer drops by 50%, 50%, double whammy, improve your mental attitude and improve your physical health just by getting out there and exercising. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. So we have a very unusual situation currently that roughly somewhere around 30% of people can work from home. The other 70% can't or have been laid off. But people that work at home are finding themselves with all kinds of adjustments in their house. And I can tell you from talking to our team at ClarkDeals.com that the deals that people are clicking on very heavily on Clark Deals are things for office equipment, office furniture for the home, and technology to support working from home or for their kids being home from school. So I wanted to take a moment and tell you about some of the things out there that are helping people. And one of them is for you to be able to improve the reliability of the internet in your home. The internet has become a key lifeline for kids to keep up with their schoolwork and parents who can work from home to be able to get the work done. And the internet that you are using has to be reliable for that. And I want to tell you about if you've got a split thing going on in your house, people are consuming a lot more video in their homes with the streaming services. 
at the same time as people are having to work a lot more in home, getting something known as a dual mesh will really help your internet. And both Costco Wholesale and Sam's Club have deals for online purchasing to deliver to you for the Orbi mesh. This allows your internet to be more reliable and give you, in theory, the same quality speed at any point in your house as any other point in your house, where usually with a normal router, you're not going to have that. The signal degrades the further you get from the router. So Sam's Club has an Orbi mesh available for $169. Costco has a different version of the Orbi uh, mesh for $179. Both of these are very good prices for a whole house wireless mesh system. It's basically giving you a much more reliable Wi-Fi for regular stuff, gaming, and video than you typically will have right now at a price that's basically a third what these systems were a year ago. Now, with these systems, you can't be in a ginormous house, but you can be in a house, both are rated for houses up to 4,500 square feet. The average house in the United States is about 2,500 square feet. So most any home in the United States, instead of a mega, will be fine with either of these systems. The other thing is Woot.com, which is Amazon's clearance site, is doing a sale right now on office stuff for the home. It's hard to find. You go to Woot.com, click on Home and Kitchen. Once you click on Home and Kitchen, you then go to the section under Home and Kitchen for Update Your Office. And under there, they have standing desks, regular desks, um, various office equipment, storage units for an office in the home, office supplies, all of that. If you are an Amazon Prime member, you pay no shipping cost with the purchases from Woot. If you are not an Amazon Prime member, you pay typically $5 shipping for your order. Computer desk here, 81 bucks. Standing desk, $138. Um, an, here's a very small one you can use as a portable table, 25 bucks. I mean, these prices are very good. And if you need a really good office chair for the home, Sam's Club is offering a really nice one on sale right now for delivery as well for its members. It's very expensive. It's one of those fancy mesh chairs, $189. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.